0: This is Review and Preview, on the wave, the sound of LIU.
1: Good evening and welcome to Review and Preview, folks. I'm your host, Tom Scavetta, joined alongside James Montefusco, and Evan Masters joins us back here in the studio as a guest. Evan, welcome back to the show.
0: Thanks, Tom. Glad to be here.
1: A reminder that you can call in with your questions, thoughts, comments tonight at 516-299-2030. Take part in our live show. We are broadcasting on liuwave.org. Follow our podcast. Subscribe at anchor.fm slash review and preview. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Review and Preview. You can find us there. Quick rundown of our show tonight, guys. We're going to talk about the Mets. We're going to transition over to the Yankees after that, talk some MLB news, talk about the Bruins reaching the Stanley Cup Finals for the first time since 2013, we'll talk about our Team of the Week, go over that uh, gruesome NBA Draft Lottery, we'll talk about the Eastern Conference playoffs, the Western Conference playoffs, and if we have time, we'll wrap up the show with a brief overview of some NFL off-season news. All right, so let's get to the New York Mets Uh Currently a game in progress right now. Peter Alonzo hit another home run tonight. Uh, guys, this kid has just been fantastic this season. But before we get there, let's recap the week in review and the week that was for the New York Metropolitans. Uh, the Mets come home for uh, a two-game home stand against the Marlins Friday night. The Mets pummel the Marlins 11-2 to last week. Rosario hits a grand slam. And Jeff McNeil, another two hits and an RBI. J.D. Davis off the bench, three ribbies in this game. And Zach Wheeler, a fantastic start, 11 strikeouts. That's a season high for him so far. Um, game two of the series, the Mets beat the Marlins 4-1. to Alonzo and Conforto go back-to-back in this game. A couple of much-needed wins for the Mets. And the Grom was good, once again, getting back on track. He also had two hits in that game. And there was supposed to be a three-game set, but the game was postponed due to weather. And that was the weekend series against the Marlins. Uh, Evan, a much-needed get back on track moment for Jacob DeGrom last uh, weekend. Oh,
0: definitely, yeah. Because some struggles early on this season. He's even in games where he's pitched well. Like he hasn't had the offense. So kind of a repeat, a repeat from last year, from what you've seen from him. But definitely, it's always been kind of what the season so far is just get back on track. Well, play the Marlins.
1: Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, if that's your method of getting back on track, <laughs> that is not a proper arc. piece to the puzzle. No, it is not. Um, and, however, though uh, I believe the Mets have are in the process of ten games in this next uh, few week juncture against the Miami Marlins, which is good. I believe they have uh, somewhere between eight to ten games against them, which is key because yes. you're under five hundred now. Two games under five hundred as of last night as of yesterday afternoon when they lost to the Marlins. We'll get to that game in just a few moments, but let's get to the series this week that the Mets played. Uh, Again, the Mets went back on the road to face the struggling Nationals, a very mediocre team over the last couple of years, and this was not good. No. You lost two out of three to a mediocre baseball team that just lost their star number one, and in a series where you did not face Steven Strasburg or Max Scherzer.
0: Yeah, that's, that's, I think, the kicker right there, is because you went in really expecting, okay, we're back on track, and then you win the first game expecting, like, a little, and then just zero Mm -hmm. offense on the second game, and then the third game just almost enough but just not there to get the win.
1: Now, this was rough, James. This was very rough as... um Three Mets fans here in the studio. There's no hiding that. <laughs> um, it just seems like the same old Mets. I, I really don't get it. Uh, this is a team that takes one step forward, two steps back.
0: Yeah. That's always how it's been.
2: I mean, y- you see it now that, I mean, it, sometimes you take five steps back. Um I don't see uh I mean hopefully like Evan said the Marlins maybe they get back on track but they really should have want they really should have swept uh Washington like Tom was saying you'd face two of their best starters mm-hmm. you should have had the W's you didn't few costly errors that had that did happen um but I I don't know it do we have a is it like an is it April or you know like Kyle Russo always says is it April? Or World Series in April. Common trend, yeah. right? Hmm. If so the
1: playoffs started in May. The Mets would begin it every year.
2: Yep,
0: of course, but that's not
1: how it is. Exactly. Baseball is basically um, a six-month season. Yes. If you look at it, and you can't play yes. one or two months, as <laughs> we know, I believe it was a five and twenty-one June last year, or something exactly. along those lines, which is unacceptable. Um, I remember what really set this series off was um, it really started at Chase Field last summer when I was at the Diamondbacks game and the Mets could not hit. They had scored about maybe five runs combined in their last five games. Um, Not good. But this series against the Nationals, they took the first game in convincing fashion. Six to two. Ramos hit a grand slam. Wilson Ramos, a key free agent addition this season, at the catcher position, and then Dom Smith came in to replace Alonzo for defense in the eighth inning, and he hit a home run in the ninth, first homer of the year.
0: Still perplexing why they ever called him down in the first, but brought him back down in the first place.
1: Yeah, um, Dom Smith, he, he's
2: turning. He's starting to turn into be a pretty decent be- bench player. Yeah. I, I think that's where he fits more or less on this team at the moment. Um, I think also by having Pete up, uh, that also has Alonzo, Alonzo yeah. has driven him uh, to be more competitive yes. considering uh, the last year where he was like, either on the first baseman or not. But now he's kind of, comp- in my eyes, he's competing for a start. So if Pete Alonzo ever has a slump and Dom um, Smith is hot. I would imagine they have to go with Dom Smith. So I feel like him coming off the bench, he needs to do as much as he can. Yeah.
1: And Evan, one thing I noticed about the Mets, this offense really got elevated in this game, uh, in game one against the Nats this week. They had a four-run first inning, and what I notice is when Syndergaard gets a lead that's more than a run or two, he's nearly untouchable. It really boosts his confidence when his team gets off to an early start. Do you notice that?
0: Yes, I've always noticed that, and I just think – even when he has a lead in general, he just pitches better because, I don't know, he's just one of those pitchers when, like, I don't know if it gets in his head, like, when they're behind or at the tie game that just doesn't have the same stuff, but even, like, in that one nothing Reds game where he did it all himself, like, he just seemed more confident than games in the past where he's, the offense is struggling or he's just struggling and it just hasn't been the same. It's like two different Cinder guards, basically.
1: And th- this is my argument with Syngard. This is why he's not currently an elite pitcher. He's a star pitcher. He's the next step below an, an elite pitcher. What prevents him from that elite status, guys, you see these starts where he pitches five innings, has like 10 strikeouts, but has like 100-something pitches, and he's given up like three or four runs. Yeah. You can't have those starts, mm-hmm. and that's why DeGrom has surpassed him. Because yes. DeGrom was originally behind him. Until Sin the guard, buffed up a little bit, and now the guy who never got hurt really much growing up now has somewhat of an injury history. His
0: pitch counts just get too high too early, basically. Exactly.
1: Yeah. Um, this leads us to Game 2 of the series. Mm. The Mets acquired for Wilmer Font in a trade with Tampa Bay. When Mattson Vargas went down, the Mets were desperate. They acquired Wilmer Font. This is this was his second start now with the ball club. It was also the second time uh, he looked horrible. This maybe two starts, maybe this is his last. Uh, I'm all for giving people chances, but when you go two and a third and give up five runs and six hits, unacceptable.
0: See, he's not a natural starter either. No. He was an opener for the Rays, which is just the way they've done it. It's not the same as being a traditional starter what Callaway and the Mets want. Right, yeah. Which is why it works in small doses, but a relief guy like him shouldn't do it. If anything, you maybe just give Lugo that start instead because we know he has starting capabilities and then just give him maybe a little rest in the bullpen after that.
1: I completely agree with you, Evan, there. That's a great point because now you talk about Lugo, a guy who got a lot of spot starts last year when Vargas was hurt, when Mats was hurt, when Wheeler was out. Lugo was that fifth guy. Yeah. And why are they going away from that this season? I don't know. But give credit where credit is due. Patrick Corbin pitched a fantastic yeah. game, and that was a tough matchup on paper. This leads us to yesterday's game. We're going to spend a little time on this game. Uh, look, the Nationals got off to a 4 nothing start in the first inning. I'm watching this game at work yesterday, and I'm like, oh, great. I'm sitting there in the third inning, and then the Mets score four runs and tie the game at four. Um, Conforto hit a three-run bomb, and then the Mets—I believe they had a run prior to that. I forget what it was exactly. I think. Uh, was it a sink? I'm trying to remember exactly what it was. It was yeah. the top of the third. I think Cano hit a ground rule double. I believe. Back so. in the third inning, that drove in Zach Wheeler because I think Wheeler was on third and Dom Smith was on first, and then he went from corner to corner. Otherwise, that would have drove in another run. Yes. But speaking of Robinson Cano. <laughs> later in this game <laughs> knocks out Conforto going for a pop-up in foul territory and Just... Conforto suffers a concussion not excellent work no. no and you look at the end of this game when the Mets were rallying in the ninth inning um, also Jeff McNeil was taken out with the, uh, dom- do- abdominal pain abdominal tightness didn't okay. seem too serious Look, you're looking in this game, the ninth inning. Ramos, the line drive to center field, bringing in Nimmo, 7-5. Remember now, At this point, you're down by four, 7-4. And then, actually, it all started. Frazier hit a rocket double. That should have been a home run. It missed by this much.
0: Unexpected, too, because since he's been back, it's been, yikes, just not good at all.
1: Yeah, I mean, yeah. you were starting to think of a possible Darno effect, which, by the way, Dar- Darno has traveled the States the last couple of weeks. He went to L.A., and now he's <laughs> Had his one down appearance. in Tampa Bay. Um, yeah, no, it's been crazy. And look, back to this ninth inning, guys. <sighs> you sit here and laugh because lagaris Gets an RBI single. The score is now 7-6. to six. You're down by one. And then Nimmo walks. Doolittle comes in. It just it wasn't good because then Rosario struck out. And then Dom Smith, I believe he popped up or something. And then Cano got a hit off of an error or something. I don't know if they rolled out a single or an error, uh. but then...
0: I think it was Eric error because Defoe made like, a dive at the ball and then just never came up with it.
1: Exactly. And then Broxton comes up and strikes out. Guys, that would have been Conforto's spot to hit. Yeah. And Broxton is the worst hitter on this baseball team. Well, not anymore. Leading to him <laughs> to <into> getting demoted.
0: <laughs> not anymore. But, and I'm, yes.
1: He swaps with Carlos Gomez, who was raking. Yes. yes. And, In the minor leagues. And fun fact, Gomez, 12 years ago, made his debut with the New
0: York Mets. Welcome back been a long road, but killing in AAA, you deserve your chance in the majors, no matter where you came from, how you've been, and I can, if he even plays half of what he's been doing in AAA, he'll contribute to this team.
1: Yeah, exactly. My thing is, this is just inexcusable. Yeah, you get the two runs off of Doolittle, that's great, but I mean...
0: My thing with Wheeler, too, is that he always, like, it seems like every other start he has, this like a one inning where he gives up four or five runs, and it just completely just ruins his game no matter where he is or how the team's doing, and it's very just tough to see a guy who this, a guy last year who second half of the year was better than DeGroms come into this year still having these struggling innings trying to find himself like he was, like, a year or two ago, and he was still... Kind of finding himself, and he finally found himself, and it's just tough to see him regress to back to where he was.
1: Yeah, yeah. And the Mets were considering trading him at the deadline, but back to Evan's point, you can blame it all on Cano all you want for knocking Conforto out of the game and putting Broxton in that position. But the real issue of the series, the two through four starting pitchers, are way too inconsistent for my liking. Semergard, Wheeler, and Mats. This is part of the problem with the Mets' rotation. They're just they're not consistent enough. They're good pitchers, but they're not consistent enough to the point where you can say, I feel confident in, in these guys out on the mound. Mm-hmm. And as much as the hitting is lacking, quite frankly, the injuries and the starting pitching are the two major problems. They're the two major problems. Okay. Uh, and like I said, Wheeler, six runs, 11 hits, unacceptable good news though uh, Pete Alonso, of course just hit his 13th home run of the season tonight well this leads us into tonight's game which is currently in progress with the Miami Marlins they're up the Mets are up 1-0 in the third inning the Grom is on the mound for the New York Metropolitans and so far yeah Pete Alonzo the one home run I mean his average is down to 265 but he's playing every day Yes. This guy's got 35 RBIs on the season already this year. So you got to consider now, will he be in the home run derby?
0: I think he's the guy that, because it happens every year where like, there's like the one young guy who always comes in. I mean, Bellinger, his first year, and Judge, really, both of them, in their first rookie years were the guys. And this year I think it really is going to be Alonzo because they do like showcasing the young talent because home run derby is kind of a spectacle, but it's, not really something that like gets repeat competitors, because a lot of guys, it's true, they they do the home run derby and they lose their funk, and it might happen with Alonzo too, which is my one thing, if I don't want him in it, if this is going to happen, but I think if he wants to do it, let him do it, because I think he's exciting, most of his home runs have been over 400 feet plus, at least, he just rakes it, like I mean, I don't think I've seen a Mets hitter in a long time do what Alonzo has done through this season so far,
1: No. He's been fantastic. Yes, and
0: I've been calling yeah. this for probably since last year's spring training, and he showed off with, like, a 35-home run season in the minors, led all levels of baseball with RBIs. So it seeing him see, succeed is just really awesome to see, and it's nice to see a homegrown Mets talent do this well, along with a guy like Jeff, Jeff McNeil, too. Just the two of them have been, like, the two bright spots for the Mets hitting.
1: This has the potential to be a right-ray as
0: Yes. Yes.
1: For sure. This may be the closest thing we have seen to that. I know, look, who wants to speculate not even two months into the season? Well. But Jeff McNeil's hitting three fifty four. Jeff McNeil is the second-best average in baseball yes. right now. You're talking about that. Second-best average in baseball, not the National League. This is his first year as a full-time starter, and he doesn't even have a natural position yet. I mean, of course, we know his natural position is third base, but – playing him at second, they're playing him in the outfield, they're playing him at third. Uh, yeah, so, and then Pete Alonzo, look, no Met has been in the home run derby since 2013 with David Wright. Yeah. And David Wright was not known for home runs. Mm-mm. So, this Pete Alonzo kid, I'm telling you, 13 dingers, not even two months into the season, he's on track for 30 plus easy. Yes, easily. No question. Now, my question is, why are Mets fans still bashing Ahmed Rosario? The guy's hitting two seventy-seven. He's tied for the second most RBIs on the team, and he gets hits. Not to mention, Rosario has more hits than Alonzo. He is the second most hits on the team.
0: It's more so, I think, the defensive mindset. I don't know if it's him in his head or something, because his defense is one of the things like, he was like like, known for in the minors, and I don't know if it's just this season, he just, what happening, but that's, I think, the main reason has, because he's had all just, so many just bonehead defensive plays or just yeah. misplays that have led to the fans calling his head, because and I think it's really just gone under the radar offensively because the team's been struggling as a whole, and you don't really see the individual play through that unless it's, like, the home runs you see through Alonzo or just... Jeff McNeil, who's been doing it at a higher level. So I think Rosario's really just been in the shadow.
1: I Rosario seems to only be half the package of these other two guys right now, and yes. he's not a home run hitter. We know Rosario will probably—he's not a double-digit home run hitter. We know that. He's not known for power hitting. He's known for contact hitting, and, I mean, he should be a little better with his glove. This is concerning.
2: Um, no, it, it definitely is concerning. Um, Evan had some great points. I also want to bring up, when he did come up, I feel like a lot of fans got a sour taste of him. And he was the
0: yeah, he was the top prospect in baseball you know, when he got called up.
2: He gets called up, and then all of a sudden it's like, you're, you're swinging at stuff you shouldn't be swinging at. You should be making these plays. And now he's hitting. Um, the fielding still isn't at best. or Well, it's... Yeah. It's good, but it could be a lot better. I think he definitely needs to work on that.
1: Look, I don't mean to pull any strings here. Ahmed Rosario is younger than us. Yes. That just goes to show you how how young this kid... Well, me me and James. (laughs) We're 23 here in the studio. Uh, Not every I bring down the average. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah. Yeah. I don't think this is the same old Mets from uh, a hitting standpoint because you have Pete Alonso and Jeff McNeil this season and you brought in Robbie Cano and Wilson Ramos, but you still get the same old Mets feel because the mediocreness is there and you're expecting disappointment one way or another. <laughs> it seems there happens to be a different way that unfolds every year. The team is pedestrian at best. Brody Van Wagden will not go out and sign anybody Regardless of what these guys want, sometimes you got to pull strings a little bit. Yes. And we know that the Mets have bullpen issues. F- Familia comes back. But Justin Wilson now has a second stint on the injured list. I almost called it the disabled list.
0: <laughs> well, <I've, laughs> look, it's very tough to get over. <laughs> exactly.
1: And then, of course, I mean, you got Broxton designated for assignment with Conforto sidelined. That's so, a tough
0: trade to look back at now. Exactly. What they give up? They gave up, like, Bobby Wall on that trade, right?
1: They did. Yeah.
0: Who didn't have, like, the worst, like, he was traded for, he was part of that familiar trade, but I don't think he was really given a fair chance. I think he had a good couple relief spots last year, too.
1: And now you're looking at this team. The Mets lost the lead. They're down 2-1 to the Marlins in the bottom of the fourth inning. The Grom gives up the lead to the Fish. On that note, uh, we'll keep you updated on that score. We're going to step aside for a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to talk some New York Yankees. You're listening to Review and Preview here on The Wave, the sound of LIU. Welcome back to Review and Preview, folks. I'm your host, Tom Scavetta. Join alongside James Montefusco, Evan Masters. This is a show where we start spreading the news, but sports news, <laughs> to be fair. We transition from Queens to the Bronx. We're going to talk about the New York Yankees. Their game tonight against the Tampa Bay Devil Rays, currently in progress. Uh, They're tied 1-1 in the top of the 5th. C.C. Sabathia on the mound, currently facing Austin Meadows, one of the premier young players of the American League. Uh, As they are taking on the first-place Rays, and I'm going to say something right now. The Yankees had a sluggish start to the season despite battling all these injuries. They're still one of the best teams in the league. They're still one of the best teams in the league. They're half a game back of first place. And quite frankly, 10 games above five hundred, three three-game win streak, taking that doubleheader yesterday. Mm -hmm. It was either yesterday or Wednesday. uh, It was Wednesday. I believe it was Wednesday. They took a doubleheader. I mean, it's against Baltimore, but still. Mm -hmm. This is a team that... uh, they played the Rays last weekend as well. And I believe they took two of three. They won on Friday and Sunday. They lost on Saturday. Sunday, Tanaka looked great. Gio Urshela had two RBIs. Again, he's been hitting. DJ Lemayhu, 333 average on the season. He's been fantastic. And 31 RBIs already for a guy they signed to a short deal. And a lot of Yankee fans were bashing him, including... One of our co-hosts, Kyle Russo, at the beginning, but now he's in love with him, which, who <laughs> would it be?
2: I mean, are you surprised he changed his mind?
1: Well, I mean, to be he fair, Le- who <laughs> came, and you know, you guys know this, who came from a hitter's ballpark in Colorado. You're going to a hitter's ballpark mm-hmm. in the Bronx. That's a pretty relatively easy transition, if you're asking me.
2: Yeah, the only uh, real transition would be the altitude.
1: And That's... not not getting much playing time at the beginning of the season, but yeah, yeah the, the altitude, He was he
2: was in a starting spot all year. Yeah.
0: With the Rockies.
1: Um, unlike the Mets bullpen, the Yankees actually have le- legitimate arms in their bullpen. Uh, look, you'd say you, you, what you want about Chapman, but he's still an elite closer in this game. Uh, you know, I like Chad Green, even though he's had his struggle spots this season. Zach Britton, he's a little overrated, but. You know, he's good when he wants to be good. All around, the Yankees holder. Uh, really like what I've been seeing out of the Yankees, despite all these injuries. Now, the, the weather was really bad on, uh, I believe it was Monday, and they had to postpone a couple of games, so they had a doubleheader against the Orioles on Wednesday. Yankees won Game 1 with J.A. Happ on the mound. Glaber Torres, I believe, he hit his... So it was the first home run of the season on Wednesday.
0: Mm, yeah, well, happens when you're injured a lot.
1: Yeah, so good for him. Good for him getting healthy, getting back in the lineup. Uh, they Yankee fans like to call it. It's a beautiful day in the Glaberhood. Yes. Fun fact. Um,
0: Seeing. Glaber's
1: first home run since coming back from injury is what I should have said, yeah. but he is a young guy. He's only 22. So coming back from injuries are a lot more difficult for younger guys than they are for older veteran yeah. players. I mean, I know your bones are not as established. You know, you don't have as much experience dealing with injuries, but good for him because it's not looking good for Miguel and Duhar. Uh, Miguel and Duhar, uh, torn labrum. Yeah, He's getting surgery. Unfortunate. He's done. They don't even know if he'll be ready for the start of next season.
0: I just got to feel for Anduhar here because this is a guy who, like, even during the off season, they're like, trade him for Machado or just replace him with Machado. And he had this he went through the whole off season, offseason not knowing if he would even have a starting job or even a place on the team. And then to come in, get injured right off the bat, come back, and then get injured again and then be out for the year into next year. It Just got to feel for the guy.
1: Mm-hmm. Exactly. And you bring up a good point. You got to feel for Anduhar. The guy who – you know, quite frankly, a lot of people were saying got robbed by not getting an AL Rookie of the Year last year.
0: I think he should have won it.
1: Yeah. They gave it to Otani or something. They gave it to Otani,
0: yeah. and yeah, I called no. that just because it was like, when you have a player this sensational coming in, have the year he did, which wasn't amazing, but it was good enough where it's just like, you have to give it to him. Mm-hmm. So,
1: The second game, the night cap of the doubleheader against the Orioles on Wednesday, Domingo Kerman... Takes the mound and wins his eighth game of the season. He's now 8-1 and one with a 2.5 ERA. And this man has been amazing this season. He's been a real gem for a Yankees unit yeah. that has had CC in and out of the lineup. Paxton has struggled getting his footing. Happ has been horrendous at times. <laughs> Severino was hurt.
0: He's the only man in the league with eight wins.
1: Yeah, he has the most wins in the major leagues uh just one over verlander so that's fantastic and he has two less starts than Justin Verlander yes in a league where pitching elite pitching has been hard to find this year
0: and again a team that's been hidden by, hit by the injury bug probably more than any other team in the league by far
1: yeah he's now 8 and 1 Another great game for Galeber Torres, Luke Voigt, a couple of young guns that have been playing relatively well for the Yankees. And then Chapman shuts the door on the Orioles. And the Orioles, they're back pretty much the same old Orioles.
0: I mean, <laughs> Nothing have you new. seen their lineup? It's just like a matter of like, is there anyone like on that lineup you recognize outside Chris Davis? This was a team built to just lose. Cashner, game. that's yeah. it. And he's not even like their best pitcher in terms of.
1: Dylan Bundy.
0: <laughs> exactly. Yeah. This this Orioles team is really just waiting for their prospects, which they don't even have like the best prospects either. So I don't know what their game is here because they don't have the players to trade away to get better prospects, and they have like maybe like two guys in the top 100 and they're both sub 50. So this just gonna be a long winding road for the Orioles, which might be for the best because they do have to deal with. Strong Red Sox rays and Yankees teams for the next probably half decade at least.
1: Yeah, I mean, look, I think Mancini's a decent player too, but um, they are up on the road right now against Cleveland, four to one. Mm. Uh, I I will give them that. So a three RBI night for Villar, uh, the the second baseman. Yeah, Um, and then wins as well. The catcher has a couple of hits, but they're going to be a bad team for a long time. They're fourteen and twenty nine. Back to the Yankees. Uh, this was a pretty good week for them besides the Induhar, uh surgery designation. They get Aaron Hicks back off the I.L. Finally, they trade for Kendris Morales from the Oakland Athletics, a 35-year-old designated hitter, and cash for a player to be determined along with cash considerations. They recall Mike Talkman on Wednesday a guy who has filled in his role quite well. Um, and Morales actually got his uh, first hit and two walks in his first game as a Yankee. Yeah. What are your thoughts on him and how he'll contribute to this, uh, boy, brutally damaged lineup? Well, I mean, he's just a, nice vet- he's a
0: veteran guy who has experience with a number of teams. So this lineup, which is going to have like, a lot of names you've never heard of, to see a guy who has veteran presence and because a lot of that is those two walks are key because I think a guy who's been around the block a couple times just he knows when to get walks when he can get those hits and it I think he'll in the short run be a good filler and probably nothing more than that i see
1: yeah I think so too and we'll see what happens there the Yankees' injuries, Linduhar Duhar is back on the I.L. Ops for surgery, done for the year. Patansis is still hurt. Bird, Ellsbury, Deedee, Ben Heller, Aaron Judge, Jordan Montgomery, James Paxton. I love going through this list every week. Luis Severino, Giancarlo Stanton, Troy Tulowitzki, Jonathan Loesiga. Loesiga on the 60-day injured list. The Yankees have six guys on the 60-day I.L., James, and they're still 10 games above five hundred, just half a game back of first place and they will take first place tonight momentarily if they beat the Rays and we will see what happens there.
2: Uh only thing I got to say for the Yankees, hats off to the guys that have stepped up, you know, because of the you know all the, those injuries Tom listed off, these guys have stepped up and kept winning games and you know can ultimately take over first place soon. Um and you know, every time I hear an ambulance, I think it's the New York Yankees getting shipped off to, a uh, you know, <laughs> the, nearest hospital. the nearest hospital or, you know, uh, physical therapy place. Very true. I yeah. would
0: laugh at that joke, but then it's just like they keep winning. They, well,
2: that's the thing. They keep winning with the guys that they've called up and brought on, which is, you know, amazing because teams like, for example, if people look at the Mets, well, they call this guy. They can't win. But you look at the Yankees. They're just built around winning.
1: Yeah. Mm -hmm. Another big series coming up this weekend, currently in progress. The Yankees play in the Rays, tied 1 1. Sabathia on the mound tonight against Richards. And then tomorrow, you got, well, CeCe is on tonight. Uh, And then you got Blake Snell. I believe he's going up against Tanaka uh, on Saturday. And then Charlie Morton on Sunday, who's been very impressive. On that note, we're going to step aside for another quick break. When we come back, we will talk some MLB news and recap the NHL playoffs. You're listening to Review and Preview here on The Wave, the sound of LIU. This is Review and Preview here on The Wave, the sound of LIU. Welcome back to Review and Preview, folks. I'm your host, Tom Scavetta. joined alongside Evan Masters and James Montefusco. If you're just tuning in, we just recapped the Mets and the Yankees weeks and previewed their weekend series. We will now talk some MLB news, and one of the struggling aces this season has been Chris Mm Sale. But he did have 17 strikeouts on Tuesday in just seven innings pitched. The quickest to ever achieve 17 strikeouts. That is Chris Sale in just seven innings. But the Red Sox still lose this game, 5-1 to one in 11 innings. But Sale was the first lefty to accomplish this feat since Johan Santana back in 2007. Thoughts on Chris Sale?
0: It's I mean, you hate to see a guy who last year was lighting it up. The past couple years with the Sox lighting it up and then this year, one in 44 four ERA. I mean, even in this games he playing well, like seventeen strikeouts is insane, and especially in the short amount at a short amount of time he did it. And if he kept going, I mean, he easily would have gotten twenty. He was that lights out. It's just the pitch count was too high, which seems to be a problem with a lot of pitchers, as we discussed with Thor in the Mets part section of the show. I just There's just some starts this year from I've seen from Sale. It's it doesn't look like him. He just like almost like playing down to like because somebody's lost against bad teams like he's lost to the Orioles I think once or twice now and he looked like he was a pitcher on their team not playing against them right but you can't you just can't see that and it's led to his struggles I mean maybe it's just him being 30 years old now and not being the same type of pitcher but it's did you hate to see it
1: yeah no absolutely that's
0: that's, that's really it I mean, can't deny the amazing performance he did have, even with the loss the team had.
2: Mm-hmm. I mean, it's tough to see uh, such a great pitcher the year fa- the year prior to have you know to have such a struggling season, especially if you're a fantasy player that you are like. You know, some of these guys did great. You draft them first, second round. You know, even your first pick, and you wind up okay. Now I need to rethink that. You know, um, but I'm sure he'll turn it around like everybody else in the league. You know, some people start out slower than others, but unfortunately, he's just starting out the slowest. His last three
0: starts have been his best starts too. He only has given up one walk in his last three starts, and his strikeouts have gone up from ten to fourteen to seventeen. And his last win was three starts ago, and then two no decisions. So I think we're starting to kind of see the crystal of old. He just had a really, really poor start to the year.
2: Turning I around,
1: so.
0: yeah, I think he's starting to turn around.
1: Uh, speaking of pitchers who have been, well, one that's been pitching really well up until his injury, uh, Tyler Glass. Now, the ERA leader in the American League, yes, goes down to the IL with a mild right forearm strain, and, and he's been pitching really well. Like, mm-hmm. he's been pretty much number one so far. yeah, and uh, Number two or three at worst. Yeah,
0: credit to the Rays for doing that trade, but the Pirates too, because they also got Austin Meadows in that trade. They did. And he's been hitting the ball pretty well.
1: Yeah, ever since he's come back from injury, he's still hitting around the 340 mark. Yeah, which
0: so ooh. credit to that trade. I mean, the Pirates just seems more unlucky on their part, but credit to the Rays there for getting two solid players who have really helped the team. Even if Glassnow's hurt, he's shown that he can be... A top pitcher in the league so far, which is still early. But I think if he comes back and can part, can contribute the same way, you'll I think you'll see Glass now continuing to play well.
1: Exactly, I completely agree with you. And you know, you also got to consider Blake Snell, the American League CY Young last year, fantastic, and then Charlie Morton, He's been... who was an All Star last year he's undefeated he, still. Yeah, he and he only lost 3 games last year. Yeah. This is a guy who doesn't lose. No. This is winning pitching. Uh 14 wins 2 years ago, 15 last season, and he's 4 and 0 so far this year. He's been fantastic, yeah. but
0: he's a type of like third, like third, fourth rotation guy you want to see a guy who may not always have the best stuff, but a guy who could give you the solid innings and the wins that 'Cause this is where he was like back with the Astros. He was their third fourth guy at times, but he gave you a solid six in, six inning outing, didn't give up many runs and which led to wins, which I think a team like the Mets lacks is consistency in the back end of the rotation.
1: Yeah. He will throw on average six to seven innings almost every start.
0: Yes. It's almost a guarantee.
1: And you gotta consider too now that Tampa Bay Despite this class-now injury, they're still one of the top teams in baseball. But the top team in baseball right now is the Houston Astros. They currently hold a record of 29-15, and 15, followed by the Dodgers, who are half a game back. And Houston, George Springer has been fantastic. Um, realistically, Houston, they, they might be easily heading back to another AL West title. This oh. is a team. I mean, yeah, Seattle is on their 500. So
0: Seattle, they're they're. I think they're the Mets of this year, like the Mets of last year. To I they think they're that team that just got on this really crazy start that no one expected, and then they they nosedive, insanely fast.
1: They do, yeah.
0: I mean, this mar this is a franchise that hasn't made the playoffs since 2001. The longest active street in all four major sports have not yeah. made the playoffs. I feel
2: like we. I feel like we talked about that earlier this season or right before it started. We're like. Wow they're starting off so hot, and then they just kind of came back to earth. well you know
0: their team's built on a lot of these guys, like even like a guy like Jay Bruce he had he has I think already double digit home double digit home runs this year, if not like nine or eight or nine, but he had a really hot start, and now the guy's not hitting yeah. same with a lot of the guys on their team. This was like a team that was meant to this team obviously I mean they trade a lot of their star players away. This is a team that's actively trying to lose games really. You could see that really with just the whole rebuild they're doing. So I don't think anyone really expected him to sustain it, but especially now with the Astros and even in like an Angels team that's I think around the same mark, I believe.
1: Yes, uh, the Angels are not very good as well. They are 20 and 23. Yeah. Uh, but Jay Bruce packed him for just a second. He's hitting 185, number one. He's only got a lifetime average of 246, yes.
0: but he's a guy who hits. Yes. I believe half of his hits, more than half of his hits this year are home runs.
1: Most likely. <laughs> kind of a, like a Joey Gallo effect. Yeah, this is yeah.
0: very much so, a Joey Gallo effect.
1: And um, Bruce has not played now the last two games. He sat on the bench. No health issues, just Coach. coach's decision because he can't make he's, contact. He's, yeah, he's. Take a seat. There's been a lot of struggling aces in baseball. Uh, you know, DeGrom and guard have had their early struggles. Kersale, of course, as you mentioned. Max Scherzer, Garrett Cole, Madison Bumgarner, Kyle Freeland, Carlos Carrasco. James, who would you say has surprised you the most? I think I know your answer, but.
2: I mean, you listed off guys that shouldn't even be on there. Uh, I want to say Bumgarner.
0: Yeah, he's just on a bad team that can't hit.
2: Yeah. He's definitely
0: going to get traded. I think there's already been talks like, of a list of teams he would be fine being traded to. He's definitely a target that won't be in a Giants uniform by July.
1: He might be wearing pinstripes. I wouldn't be
2: surprised.
0: Yeah.
1: We'll
0: like he had like, a list of eight teams that he would like want to play for. I think Ken Rosenthal tweeted that out like a week ago.
1: Yeah. Uh which of these guys have recovered? I mean, Freeland is obviously hurt. Bumgarner and Chris Sale are still ice cold.
0: I'd, I'd go with Sale. I think Sale has, I mean, like I said, his last three starts have no losses, one win, one 17 strikeout performance. So I think we're starting to see kind of the old Chris Sale that we've seen.
2: Sale, I think, is turning a curve and headed into the right direction. I wouldn't say he's fully there back Yeah. Back to what he is, um.
0: Same with uh, Garrett Cole. He's won his last three games.
2: That's that. That's who
1: I was going to pick.
0: Yeah. yeah. Well, you could go ahead with that. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. Um, Garrett Cole, the ace of the Houston Astros, the best team in baseball right now, in my opinion. Uh, look, they have a lot of guys, they have a lot of hitting, and they also have a lot of pitching. Yeah, you lost Charlie Morton, but you got McCullers, you got Justin Verlander, who's been picking up the slack. and mm-hmm. You have all these arms in the rotation, and... He's really been the one guy that has struggled to find his footing, and finally to see him pitch to this caliber that we know he's surely capable of is great. Because this Houston team, will calls now four and four; his ERA is back on their four. If he gets going, this team is untouchable in that division.
0: I'd, I'd go with Carrasco too. I think he's won his last two of his last three. He's won his last two games. Two yeah. of his last three. He's had a winning record. A ERA. His ERA has gotten better throughout the year. I just think he's been, he was put in a situation just with the injuries to the Indians rotation to be the guy when he's not... He's a great pitcher, but he's not that elite pitcher that we spoke about who can be the focal point of a rotation.
1: Exactly. So we're talking about all these players here. Who do we say is our MLB player of the week? There's a lot of guys, of course, pitchers and hitters that have been having great weeks overall, some that we know very well, but... Think outside the box here when you make your picks, um, if you wish. Who's ready? Anybody ready yet? I'm ready. I'll we'll go, go first. Go right this ahead. Week. Go ahead. Uh, Charlie Morton.
3: Mm. All A2.
1: right. He has not lost the start since he hasn't lost a start in almost a full calendar year. He's 4-0 on the season, 2.32 earned run average, and right now he's Tampa Bay's number two pitcher. And this is a team right now that does not have a solidified closer. They go kind of closer by committee. They got Pagan and Castillo in there at times. But uh, Charlie Morton, man, yeah. he's not going to blow you away, but he has 61 strikeouts, which is pretty darn impressive. Uh, easily my player of the week. He, he's just – he's – these last few stars. He's on my fantasy team too. <laughs> a little biased there, but, you know, mm-hmm. he's been great.
0: Yeah. Uh oh. – you ready or you can go. okay? Uh, I mean, I, there's obviously the obvious ones, but I do want to go out of the box here. I'm going to go with the guy who I saw a little bit in Arizona. I'm going to go with Eduardo Escobar, Ooh, a guy great. who's this season's just batting three, under 300, has nine home runs, and in his last seven games, he's batting 333, has two home runs, six RBIs. He's a guy who this is a Diamondbacks team that's actually been very surprisingly above 500, second in division when I think most people had them fourth or fifth. And Escobar has been one of the main offensive weapons on the team and really surprised everyone because this is a guy who was traded to them last year, s- decided to stick with the team, and has put up some great numbers. Yeah. And,
1: yeah. I like that pick a lot. You know, he's 30 years old now, yeah. and, uh, you know, you obviously were living out in Arizona the majority of the year <laughs> uh, as a college student and, you know, getting to see Escobar a couple of games. Uh, yeah, he's hitting two ninety three. That's yeah. a good pick, Evan.
2: I like it. Yeah. James, I'm gonna go with Chris Sale. We just talked about him. Mm. Um, like I was saying earlier, I think he's starting to turn a corner, especially with that that 17k game he just had. Even though they did lose in that game, but still 17k game um, puts him as the player of the week in my mind and headed on the right track.
1: Excellent work, James. Thank <laughs> Let's you. <get> some hockey. <laughs> So right. the Eastern Conference final featured two teams in the Boston Bruins and the Carolina Hurricanes the first two time uh the first time those two teams met in the playoffs since 2009. And the Hurricanes were a team they were coming off a 4-0 sweep against the Islanders and teams that have come right. off a sweep against the series have not, not fared out not well they've pretty much been on the other end of the sweep in think that I'll following series. They're going 3 now. Exactly. Uh, it's not a good omen, and Boston just did it to them. Uh, the Hurricanes, a team of one of the youngest teams in hockey, if not the youngest, um, they lose. They lost in Game 1, five to 5-2, yeah. expected. And then they lose Game All right, so you lose the first two in Boston, okay. But then Game 3 comes along, and just the effort was not there. They, they only score one goal, march no. on the game-winning goal.
0: It was all Boston. Yeah, Tuka yeah.
1: Rask made some great saves, and... Dahan scored the only goal for the Canes' former Islander, and the Bruins completed the sweep last night to advance yeah. to their third Stanley Cup since 2011, first appearance since 2013. They shut them out for nothing. Bergeron had two goals. Pasternak had one, and I think Marchand had the last on an empty net.
0: Yeah, this is just a team that has not. This they've been the most impressive team in the playoffs by far. They've just, just they've just looked quick. They've they just look dangerous. They just there's really no way to like nothing bad I can say about this team. They handled Toronto effectively. They then got through what? Uh Columbus officially and then they just completely dismantled Carolina. Like the Carolina you saw against the Islanders was like you saw their speed, you saw their youthfulness. Boston just broke all that down. You didn't see that at all. You just saw a team that was just broken down and just not playing good hockey at all. And Boston just took advantage of that and one handedly in almost every game.
2: Yeah, no. And, uh, I mean, I was talking to a few people today, and I think it was either Kyle Russo or Kyle Earhart, um, or both of them could have said that it's the year of Boston. It really is. You know, a lot of people I've talked to, they're like, "Year of yeah. Boston because you got the Red Sox that won. Now you got, yeah. you know, their hockey team in the Stanley Cup. So, Honestly, we'll see where it goes.
0: Right now, it's just saying sports dominance is Boston and the Bay because here we are in the West with the Sharks also in prime position to make it to the Finals too. And obviously with the Warriors, it's it's Boston and the Bay really having the sports success.
1: Yeah. Uh, Patriots, Red Sox, Bruins, they could all do it in the same year. Crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Very crazy. So the Bruins are back, and great to see Chara back. I mean – Vax oh, got there for the first time. He's been in the league for about 13, 14 years now. And then you look at this team front to bottom. They're aggressive. And give them credit because they saw teams ahead of them in the standings lose in the first round of the playoffs. Not just the Lightning, but the Capitals. But the Bruins, they persevered yes. in a rough seven-game series against Toronto. And then they come back and they take care of business against the Blue Jackets in six. They absorbed a few of the runs against them. And then... As you said, dismantled a hurricane. Completely
0: team. dismantled. Like I did, from the watching the series of the Islanders to this, it looked like two different hurricanes teams.
2: Yeah, exactly. And the Bruins look like a very complete team. Oh, they're feeding off of one each other. They did. You know, they're riding. They're riding that wave. Yes. to success.
1: Reminder, folks, you're listening to our show here tonight on liuwave.org. This is review and preview. Tom Screda here joined alongside James Montefusco, Evan Masters. Let's get to the Western Conference final. Mm. St. Louis Blues go from worst to the final three. And they're in a series against the San Jose Sharks. They currently trail it 2-1, to one, but in game four, they currently lead
0: 2-0
1: at the end of the first period. All right. And this has a series that I think... Yet again, has Game 7 written all over it.
0: Yes. yes. Every game has been close. I mean, close calls. I mean, getting a Game 3 is still annoyed me because mm-hmm. it's a hand pass. I know it's not reviewable, but if it's obvious and the ref sees it after the fact, I don't know why. It's it's just dumb that there's a whole like unreviewable thing. It goes back to the whole football with Saints and Rams. I know it's in the rule book, but if you're a ref and you see that, it's like, ah, well, I guess it's over, even though that was a clear infraction of the rules. But you have to have – if there's a clear infraction of the rules that you see and you just let the game end like that, it just leaves a sour taste in your mouth as a fan, as a player. Because, I mean, you saw the frustration of uh, whoever the Blues goalie is. He was not happy at Craig all. Craig Bennington. Yeah, 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 Bennington was
1: – Jordan Bennington.
0: Oh, he was outraged, and I think it was, it was a home game for the Blues too, so the fans just left – Yeah. And just to have the game end Horrible. like that, in, yeah, exactly. in overtime, it's just a tough way to lose, and at least they're bouncing back from it.
1: It is. And you look at this team, this team is also so young. We just brought up Bennington. He's a rookie. Yeah, he he yeah. didn't start until halfway through the season. January 7th, they had the worst record in hockey. Yeah, they did.
0: That was also in a Western Conference that was just all over the place this year.
1: Yeah, very true. And... This series against the Sharks, a team that they beat Vegas in 7 after going down 3-1. Yes. And then they also just beat the Dallas Stars in 7.
0: Yes, they did. They've
1: played a lot of tough hockey. They've played a lot of adversity. Uh, Again, their last series, they were without Joe Pavelski for a majority of it. Uh, The Sharks won game one of this series against the Blues. Couture and Meyer took care of business, two goals apiece. They win 6-3. Game two, the Blues come back and win. Couture, another two goals. But this time, yeah. I mean, you saw Robert Pertuzzo getting involved. Uh, that behind-the-back pass in that game was fantastic. Yeah. Bennington was great.
0: Um, Perone, too. Yeah. yeah. Two goals. Gave them the lead in that second period. Peron,
1: yeah. And then they they stole one. They stole one on the road. Yes. They come home, and then, then they lose game three, as we were just talking about. They, look, Sharks scored the first two goals of the game. Carlson and Joe Thornton, yes. guys who have been around for Joe a while. Joe Thornton,
0: Thornton, I mean, this is a guy who's really expected to be a non-factor at his age and just his ability, but this playoff, he seems like he's 10 years younger, just with the production he's been able to get through.
1: Speaking of production, you look at the production of the team's left, the clear-cut easy choice is a Bruins Sharks final. I mean, yes. Yes. it has it written all Boston over it. Boston and the Bay. Exactly, yeah. Boston <laughs> and the Bay, the, the two Bs. And you look at this team, it's all veterans. It's Brett Burns, it's Joe Pavelski, it's Joe Thornton. Uh, Carlson. Carlson. It's Smith and, Na- I mean,
0: Jones. Jones. One of the common last names. Yeah.
1: But in this game three, after the Sharks are up 2 nothing, the Blues come back. They score four unanswered. Yes. Steen, Tarasenko, and had two.
0: Back-to-back and, like, two minutes apart, too, I think.
1: Sharks are down one with 61 seconds left in the game. This man, Logan Couture, again.
0: <sighs> Just whether it's again.
1: Cr- Again, again. again.
0: Just finds the net. Him and Timo Meyer, just, and all the names you mentioned, they just, when, they, when the game gets like to these points where it's like, it seems like it's over, they find a way.
1: And Carlson scores the game-winning goal off a of questionable hand-pass call, as well, we mentioned.
0: I mean, it was a hand-pass. It's just like, they didn't see it. Yeah. Because I think even, like, Sharks fans and... I think everyone saw it. It's just like, what are you going to do? Say because it's not a reviewable play.
1: Exactly. Yeah.
0: Just got to Play well, it as it was.
1: And now we sit here, Game Four. The Blues lead two nothing in this game. Barbashev and Bozak both scoring in the first period. And they're currently in the first intermission. Hmm. Who do we got winning this game?
0: I think the Blues are going to bounce back. I think they're playing angry. I think the fans are. I think are going to be in an uproar. The
1: atmosphere. That's my guess.
0: Yeah, atmosphere is probably going to be crazy. I think the Blues hold on and win this game because like, I think this is going to be a seven game series which doesn't bode well for Boston based on these playoffs.
2: Very true. I'm going with Sharks. Uh, I say Sharks because they're from the Bay <laughs> and also I think they uh, they want to send the Blues packing. I think they want their fans are angry uh, their players are probably pretty angry as well and they're like, well, oh, you know what? If you're angry, why don't you stay angry, and I'll get the W. You're
1: bringing up sharks, and, I, you know, I, I've heard way too much of sharks this past week because now <laughs> where we broadcast the show here on the LIU Post campus, and as of next year, LIU Post will no longer be called LIU Post Pioneers. It was announced a couple of days ago. It will now be called the Long Island University Sharks, hence our Division One merger. The Sharks mascot was voted among the students, the alumni, and sharks, so that should be very interesting, mm-hmm. for sure. And then also, I'd like to shout out. Speaking of LIU, while we're on it, congratulations to LIU Post starting football middle linebacker and lacrosse face-off specialist Connor Farrell for signing a professional contract with the uh, PLL Chrome LC. That is Paul Rabel's new lacrosse league, and the season starts in three weeks. So. Mm-hmm. Beast, gear up. Congratulations. As he just graduated last Friday. Yeah. Mm. Along with um, undrafted rookie free agent, linebacker of the New York Giants, Jake Carlock.
3: Hmm.
1: Oh, pretty crazy. LIU going pro here. So, oh, yeah. see how it goes. Love to see it. And it looks like the quarterback for LIU, I'm still going to call it Pose, but LIU for next year will be C.J. Bathard's younger brother, Clay Bathard. Hmm. that's pretty cool fun fact on that note we're going to step aside for a quick break when we come back we will have our team of the week and we will recap the nba draft lottery you're listening to review and preview here on the wave the sound of liu evening, and welcome back to Review and Preview, folks. I am your host, Tom Scavetta. Join alongside James Montefusco and Evan Masters. Ryan, you can listen to our show tonight on liuwave.org. That is right. We'll be talking some NBA basketball in just a few moments and get our thoughts on the draft lottery. But first, top of the hour, which means it is time for our team of the week. Evan, you will go first.
0: All right. Uh, I mean, we have been talking about this team so far today. Uh, The Houston Astros, they have won their last eight games. And some of them, by wide margins, are just dominant pitching. I mean, look at these scorelines. 4-2, 3-0, 11-4, 15-5, 8-1, 11-4, 5-1. Just dominant baseball all around. As you mentioned, Charlie Morton. Garrett Cole is finally getting it going. Verlander, the ace he is. Plus the hitting of Springer, Correa, just everyone's just playing well, so easily the team of the week in my opinion.
1: Eight wins in a row is very impressive. They haven't lost this whole week. Uh, my team of the week: the New Orleans Pelicans.
0: <laughs> I like it.
1: Segwaying into our next segment, well, they won the draft lottery, and they control this year's draft. Team, I think they had a seven percent chance to win it uh, going into this thing, and they traded up into that top four. And look, you gotta—I can't take their arena seriously. The Smoothie Talking King,
0: yeah, Smoothie King Center. Center,
1: uh, and then Zion Williamson. His stepdad said that Zion's excited to play for the Pelicans the Pelicans take them number one overall which is likely but we'll see what happens there there's about a month between now and the NBA draft which will take place June 20th at the Barclays Center but yeah Pelicans are my team of the week they control this draft and what they do with uh, AD James
2: I'm gonna go with the Knicks Mm. they did not get number one like everybody was expecting Um, you'll hear my take on that later um, but they did get in top five. So for Knicks fans, you do have to have some hope that there will be an upgrade and an upside eventually to your team. Um, but I got them since they cracked the top five. Um, everybody would loved to see them won, especially two. But they got top five, so that's my team of the week.
1: All right. Not bad at all. So let's recap the NBA draft lottery, of course, this whole thing, everyone's saying it's fixed. Everyone's saying the NBA is fixed. <laughs> it's not. They don't want to see Zion in New York. Please put your comments and leave it aside. The NBA is not fixed. Pelicans won the draft lottery. They get number one overall.
0: Yeah, it's, That shows you, like, Pelican and the Grizzlies were one, two. It's not fixed.
1: Exactly. And They're... the Knicks were third. The Knicks were really... The only one of the worst four the worst, teams yeah. to get in.
0: Yeah, the the top five odds teams like the Knicks are the only ones that made it the top four. And I mean, look at the Suns and the, I think it's the Suns and the the Cavs, the two other teams that had this equal odds to the Knicks. Yeah, they're picking sixth and seventh. So when people are saying, "Oh, the Knicks didn't I think get five,
1: w- six, because the Bulls are seventh, I think yeah.
0: Oh, yes, they're Cleveland's 5 5, five yeah, But still, even like thing. the Bulls and Hawks, thing. the Bulls and Hawks were the next two teams after before the Grizzlies and Pelicans were, and they didn't get their spot either. So No. Atlanta's
1: so, all the way down at 8.
0: This, yeah, these are teams that had horrible years, and this is a top-heavy draft. Like, again, 1, 2, and 3 were probably, like, 3 is the lowest you'd probably want to get.
1: Yes. Except for mm, that, much.
0: it's a steep drop, because you can see it in the draft. Experts are all saying, like, oh, Zion's the next big thing. John Moran is the can't-miss point guard. R.J. Barrett can be a premium scorer and do other things. After that, it's just guys like Cam Reddish can be something. Oh, yeah. Jared Culver can be something. And then it's just go go on and on and on. Guys who could fit but need the right spot and the right development. There's only three guys who experts are saying can be the sure thing. So the Knicks are fortunate to be in the spot they're in. Because to get top three is where you want it to be especially after seeing the Lakers get into the top four, which was, I think, the biggest surprise. Because I think everyone kind of just saw it coming. It's like, oh, because everyone made the joke, oh, what if Zion made can play for the Lakers? And then they made it to the lottery, I mean, the Final Four. And here they are, like, at the knocking door of Zion, the whole league would, just would have exploded. And then everyone obviously would say the league is rigged. But it didn't happen. And I think the Knicks should be fortunate with their three, because they're getting... If they do decide to keep that pick, they're getting a quality player in RJ Barrett.
1: Yeah, pretty much. I, I, I think realistically, Barrett has the skill set that the Knicks need. Um, to pair him up with Kevin Knox, Mitchell Robinson, and whatever free agent they, they bring, they would seem to be very deep in this front court. I think the Knicks. Uh, well,
0: Barrett's a two. He's a shooting guard.
1: Yeah, Barrett's a two, but he's a big two.
0: I think he can make it work. I think you put him next to a guy like Dennis Smith Jr. or even a Kyrie Irving if he does decide to come here or to New York then you're setting up a great front court a back court.
1: So you would happen to agree Evan this wasn't bad luck for the Knicks just happened the way it happened.
0: I mean based the way that this lottery was set up it was not the Knicks had a better chance to get five than one and they got three and the odds were they weren't going to get three they were going to get four or five or Yeah, well, four or five is more likely than three, two, or one. Mm -hmm. So for them to be where they are, I mean, they're lucky because they could easily be picking a guy like Jared Culver right now instead and hoping and praying that he could be something rather than R.J. Barrett, who's more of a sure prospect, a guy who could come into the system quicker and start and get minutes.
1: Now, James, Mm -hmm. um, there is a fellow by the name of Tyler Cook from Iowa, and he was pretty much... Their best player this season, he's declared as well. I know we talked about him earlier on the show and his impact on this draft. Tyler Cook is a junior out of Iowa, six nine, a big guy, a pre mm. a premier scorer. What are your thoughts
2: on Tyler Cook? Listen, first se- <laughs> for a second, uh you got me there. Um but honestly, he could be a very good guy coming out um coming out of Iowa. You know, uh, two hundred fifty pounds. He's that's a big guy. Um, he's twenty one. He's twenty one years old. I mean, young, big, big ten conference. You know, rated top one hundred recruiter. You know, he's a guy that definitely you could take. And I would, just, I would is he gather po- is
0: he projected anywhere.
2: Them groom. I
0: don't see him
1: anymore. Uh, no, but he no. is one of we we have we have a little. Uh, we 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 have we have a little joke with uh, uh, this Iowa player, yeah, hmm. guy who played with Garza this season. Uh, he was pretty good in the NCAA tournament. Uh, mm, gotcha. Yeah. yeah. So now it's just it's it's weird because you see guys like that, but y- yeah, we brought up the Knicks are in prime position. You know. I don't know how many picks the Nets have this year. They're, I, they I have, they if,
0: have the 17th pick. Yeah, which isn't terrible. And they have the 27th. So they have two first-round picks. Mm. And the first pick in the third round from the Knicks. I mean, the second round from the Knicks.
1: Nice. Wow.
0: So the Knicks don't have their second round.
1: Does Zion, is there any chance he goes back to Duke?
0: I don't think so. I think, I mean, it might depend on maybe who knows what happens. But it's... I can't see a situation where it happens because it's really just then you're just rolling the dice again. If the lottery stays the same, you could be put in the same or similar situation. You might as well just come out now. I mean, everyone's expecting it.
2: I think there's a slim chance he goes back to Duke. It... I expect him to what? Slim chance to go back to Duke. I. Ex- <laughs> you let me finish. <laughs> I expect him to go into the draft and play wherever he's he's drafted. Um. No matter if that's a small, um, I'm looking for the word. Um, chance. Yes, a small chance of getting drafted by the Knicks. I think he will if he gets picked. Number one, he has to go there. Of course, he may not be too thrilled, but that small small market team may be beneficial for Same. him.
0: If that does happen, that just throws the whole draft into chaos mode because I think the Pelicans maybe trade that pick then.
1: Possibly. And you got to think Anthony Davis could possibly be involved.
0: Yeah, and then maybe yes. like a point guard needy team who will now, with Morant being the guy in the draft, so like a team like the Suns, like the Lakers even, if they want to just jump up to one.
1: It's pretty much confirmed that Zion wanted to be a Nick. Yes.
0: Yeah, I mean, you saw the, the interview at the lottery. You, I mean, Eye obviously. Emojis. Just all the. <laughs>
2: I mean, the lottery, yeah. Side comments. All of us in this room would love something that we've all dreamed about come true. I'm sure Zion dreamed about being a Nick, Being in New York, playing in the Garden. Dreams don't always come true. They may come true later down the road. That way, I mean, for all we know, he could go there, get traded to the Knicks. Here's my problem with Knicks fans. (laughs) You're
1: banking. On Zion coming to this team.
0: Yeah, that that was the whole problem. To begin with. That's part yeah. of the problem. That's why you have a losing culture. If that's what you're
1: hoping on, go out and do something in the offseason.
0: Yeah. Make a splash. Yeah. Throw the money around. You have the two max contracts now. At least you got to try. I mean, show that you're offering a Kevin Durant, a Kyrie Irving, and even if that doesn't work.
1: Even Tier 2 guys
0: like Clay Thompson yeah. and Kimball Walker. Just something. I don't even call Clay Thompson Tier 2 at this point. I, mean, I just think less people are talking about him because I think it's such a sure thing that everyone thinks he's just going back to the Warriors but like if Durant doesn't work I think you go for like a Jimmy Butler who seems pretty adamant about wanting to leave Philly he said a goodbye Instagram post
1: hey isn't Porzingis on the market as well he's a restricted free agent
0: (laughs) (laughs) imagine kind of has a messed up face right now
1: speaking of Porzingis he was involved in a bloody (laughs) altercation over the weekend at a club in Latvia
0: yeah, some uh, angry Russians I think were Knicks fans are upset at him.
2: Yeah, I mean, do do you blame Nick Nick fans? You know, for I mean, people, it's,
0: it's in Latvia and Russia, so it's like it's a whole different territory. Really, it's not yeah. like it's happening here where severe consequences could happen. I mean, who knows what happens out there? But
2: yeah,
1: Porzingis got jumped—that's for sure. And <laughs> um, as in the words of Peter Sukulis, who is currently sitting in Studio Three, um, just texted me saying Zion would have been a big plus,
0: and that the Knicks are actually
1: banking on Kevin Durant. But yeah, that's... now with this injury in the playoffs, we don't know how true that actually is.
0: They could be banking for an Anthony Davis trade. Very wow. true. With trading RJ Barrett, putting Zion and RJ together.
1: Ooh, that could be key.
0: I think that because I think that would be a Pelicans key to make Zion happy. Gets Anthony true. Davis yeah. out, gets him to a big market. I mean, it looks like, I think the news today was that the Pelicans are absolutely not trading Davis to the Lakers. So, I just did, I mean, you trade that third pick, which will be R.J. Barrett at this point. You throw in, who else do you throw in there?
1: There's not, not much to throw in.
0: Well, I mean, you got young promising guys there, that's the key. That's
1: true. Yeah.
0: I mean, there's guys like, a guy like Kevin Knox, for example, who... In this situation, probably wouldn't get much playing time because you're adding Durant and Davis. Like In this situation, you probably get both Durant and Davis. You throw Knox in there, and maybe you throw in either Frank or Dennis Smith Jr. You throw in these young guys with Promise, and maybe you get that trade, but I wouldn't want that. I'm anti-Anthony Davis trade, actually, because I want to see a team built through draft and trading more so than just signing the big guy, signing the big names and trading away, but obviously the Knicks are putting themselves in line for big names. Yeah, But I would like to see him keep RJ Barrett. I want to see a young Nick, who actually is like one of the top guys in the draft, actually show something.
1: Yeah, that would be very nice. RJ Barrett, I'd love for him to come here for sure. Uh, The last guy I want to talk about is Kyrie Irving. Um, (laughs) There's been issues this year with him, Gordon Hayward. Uh, Apparently players are complaining. One did it in particular on SportsCenter with Stephen A. Smith. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> terry, terry, terry. Uh, scary terry terry Rozier in an interview basically said uh i don't want to be a part of that next year if that's going to be the case he did sacrifice a lot though for these guys
0: yes i don't see is
1: any. this the crumbling of boston
0: i don't know but i don't you're probably not seeing either of them in a boston uniform next year
1: talking about Ter- irving and Rozier. Yeah.
0: yes terry's also a free agent
2: boston is on the down decline
0: i don't know if they're on the decline i don't yet, know if they're on the decline
2: i think you got to bring in a guy like kemba walker to play. yeah point you need to bring there.
0: in a big name free agent which might be but because the thing is it can't be another like like wing forward because you have hayward you have brown and you have tatum you have three of those guys you need and you have hofford you need a point guard
1: you have Biggs too
0: you just this team just lacked good depth really yeah
1: yeah yeah I mean, the problem is you look at their bench, and, yeah, I mean, Hayward came off the bench a lot, but he also had, like, the second or third most minutes on the team. And then you look at what's been going on with uh, the bench. I know Brown started in the playoffs because due to the Marcus Smart injury. Yes. Uh, but after that, I mean, you look, okay, Aaron Baines gets pretty significant minutes off the bench as well, but then after him, no.
0: It's just the, the culture there is all messed up. And I think part of it is I think people were hyping Tatum up too much. 'Cause he's a great player, don't get me wrong, but
1: twenty years old. It's only 20, twenty. Twenty yeah, yeah. Twenty one. Yeah, just turned twenty one,
2: yeah. yeah.
0: He's oh. a guy that doesn't need to be the focal point of a team yet. And here we are, I think got a lot of pressure but I'm plus Kyrie, with the talks of him leaving or not, just I think got to the team and it just led to this really bad culture which, I mean, part of it I think was just expectations at Boston sports fans at this point because look at the rest <laughs> of their teams. Yeah. You, you They're winning.
1: It's just a bunch of guys playing together right now. It's not really a, a team. team. Exactly, which is why they lost in five to the Milwaukee Bucks. The other big rumors, will the Sixers explore a trade for LeBron, for Ben Simmons? This has been brought Oof. up. Now, the Sixers, of course, they lose game seven to the Toronto Raptors. Uh Joel Embiid, very emotional after the game. He was crying, consoled by Marcus. All Great act, class act right there. But yes. Then right. they decide to bring Brett Brown back as the head coach, which I think is a great move.
0: I think so, too. I mean, there's, he's a great coach, a great basketball mind. You don't. There's not really a plethora of those in the NBA, so when you have one, you better keep one.
1: But what would you say is the issue to this team? Is it Ben Simmons?
0: I don't think I don't so. Know. He's just like, he's a... Great basketball player. He's just not the prototypical like modern player. Yeah, he can't, the guy hasn't made a three in his career yet, and that goes against everything the NBA is now, which is just being able to shoot the three, or if not, but he's been able to do everything else at an elite, a near elite level. I just think, like you said, it's kind of like the Celtics, and like it's just a lot of individuals. I mean, look at that starting five. It's it's, ben, it's Jimmy Butler, a guy who was came from like the most individualistic like stories you've seen just Jimmy Butler trying to completely just almost self capitulated the Timberwolves on his own Joel Tobias Emb- Harris Joel Embiid yeah Tobias Harris Joel Embiid I mean they this a lot of guys just brought in together last minute I mean two of these guys ran into the team during trades this year and just I just think they didn't have enough time to really gel and become a good unit because Embiid was hurt for a lot of the year just really wasn't I think a good opportunity for them to win it all this year yeah and now, if I'm the Sixers, you, if you want to keep that winning attitude, you gotta bring back Butler and Harris. But I don't know if they really can,
3: because
0: mm-hmm. then you're leaving yourself in the open for not being able to pay Simmons or Embiid the big money, and you might have to make that decision in a couple years. Very true. So, neither of them, if neither Harris or Butler come back, I think Sixers are back to where they were the year before,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and trying to find a third piece. And this is the year to find that third piece.
1: Yeah, it's been crazy. We'll see what happens in the offseason. But other big moves that have been made, uh, the Cav- the Cleveland Cavaliers signed John Beeline, former Michigan Wolverines head coach, oh. to a five-year contract. This guy has been coaching since 1975. He started as a high school junior varsity coach, and now he's coaching the Cleveland Cavaliers.
0: I mean, he... It took the long road for sure, but his career at Michigan was fantastic. I mean, he made the Final Four twice, I mean, the championship game twice, two big t- two-time big, 2 Big Ten champion, two-time regular season champion, an NIT championship all the way back in 07. He's really done it all for the Michigan, except win it all. He's been... He's a great coach, I think, because a lot of the time it's that tough transition, but I think... Unlike a guy like a patino or Cal Perry who struggled in the NBA. I just think he has more of a basketball mind than just that.
1: Better roots for it, yeah. Yeah. Uh and his road, you know, he used to coach D two, then he went to D one. Used to be the head coach of West Virginia.
2: All right. He shouldn't be a coach anymore. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's why he left. He
2: went yes. one hundred
1: and four and sixty.
0: Congratulations. At West
1: Virginia. Maybe he was too good. Yeah.
2: He's too good for West for the Virginia. Mountaineers. He probably was. That's why they had to let him go.
0: He's like, ah, oh, well, Bob, 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 Bob Huggins ain't bad himself. <laughs> Take me home. <laughs>
1: to the place where I belong, which is Cleveland. Excellent. Congratulations. Yeah. Uh,
0: there was a connection, I believe, through, what, the GM and him? Yeah. Or yeah. someone in their front he- office. So, But that's a tough blow for Michigan while we're talking about this because this was late in the game in terms of – Coaching hires in college basketball. Yeah. yeah. Kind of hurts them. And so they make a run for number like, of guards. Do they yeah. make a run at Chris Beard in Texas Tech, maybe? I don't Could think be. it's too late for that because I think he's committed to their delay.
1: They'll find somebody. God to forbid,
0: look. try to get Rick Pitino, which might damage their basketball because Balline is like one of the most clean cut coaches around yeah. in terms of. Not completely with. agree.
2: They got some time, so they. I'm yeah, sure they'll find. One of their somebody.
0: top uh, commits also decommitted, so they're already feeling the.
1: And then they're losing guys like Brezdicus. We'll see what happens with them. And then the Lakers, they get Frank Vogel, new <laughs> head coach on a three-year deal, and they hired Jason Kidd as his assistant.
0: See, the Lakers, the head coach of a LeBron team, doesn't matter. I think, as we learned. Because it's even, always LeBron's team.
2: Does he need a head coach? Isn't LeBron the head coach?
0: I mean, you got up. He's the king, obviously. Much, you but know. Vogel, I mean, he has a good coaching pedigree. I think he never really got a chance in Orlando and obviously took the Pacers to two conference championships, so he's a great I think he's a great coach.
2: I want to see how he gels with LeBron. That's what it really comes that, down That's to. what it comes down to with you any know, coach. How do you gel with LeBron if you don't gel well? Bye bye. If you drill great, I'm, ready you're I'm running for Jason. I'm
0: running for Jason that You start this position in a year anyway.
2: You know, hmm. I mean, who's
0: just a terrible coach to begin with, but that's another story.
2: Yeah, for sure. Now,
1: last couple footnotes here. This just in today Pacers guard Tyreek Evans dismissed from the NBA for violating the anti drug policy. So,
0: yeah, that's I mean, Ugh. he had his career so odd because he won Rookie of the Year in 09 and then. He he was on a Kings team that the Kings are horribly run. I think everyone knows that.
1: Don't tell that to Mike Dawes.
2: <laughs> if Mike Dawes was here, he'd be like, Mm-mm. "Always wearing a King shirt on our show." Uh, yes,
0: I mean they're on the upswing now, I believe, but back then, different story. Yeah. And then, kind of just gets forgotten. Then has this resurgence two years ago and last year, and now back down to this. He got OJ Mayo. I mean, this happened to OJ Mayo what four or five years ago, yeah. and then. He never came back. So, this for a guy, Terry Evans is now, I believe, on the wrong side of 30, or if not, around that area. We might not see him in the association again.
1: Great point, Evan. Last thing, the Lakers decide not to hire new president of basketball operations to replace Magic Johnson. Right. Again, more drama surrounding the Lakers, the new coaches, Makes the sense. LeBron, I mean,
0: crap. and All those, like, president of basketball or football operations, just fake GM titles yeah. because... No one talks about who the, for example, the Broncos. No one had talked about who's in charge of the Broncos. It's always what John Elway thinks.
2: I also want to uh, point out that I actually have a few kids that I coach basketball with for uh, the kids at my local Y. Um, We were talking about LeBron and what trades have been going on with the Lakers and stuff, Uh, not trades, recent transactions. And um, they were saying that who knows, LeBron could actually be better because he actually he's been getting this is the longest stretch of time he's had off yes if you really think about it he and between the injury between the injury not making, not making the playoffs he's now had a long the probably the longest times he had off in a long time
0: and, and honestly for the best of it no. just one quick point it's just this might be a good thing for LeBron's career because I don't think this Lakers team was good enough to even if they were all healthy, everything went well, they were not talented enough to beat a Warriors team or anything. So I think this is good to be out now, just completely rebuild before a top-tier free agency the offseason.
1: Yeah, you want to stay two steps ahead of the game. I think basically. he's two
0: steps ahead now and will be more than ready for next year.
1: On that note, we're going to talk more about basketball in just a few moments, but first we're going to step aside for a quick break. You're listening to Revium Preview here on liuwave.org.
3: Tonight, I just wanna take you up, throw your hands up in the sky. Let's set this party
1: off right. Players, put your feet, bring to the Good evening, and welcome back to Review and Preview, folks. I'm your host, Tom Skibeta. Join alongside James Montefusco, Evan Masters, here on liuwave.org. You can also join our broadcast tonight, podcasting here on Facebook Live, and take part in our live show. Comment on the feed if you have any questions. All right, guys, so let's talk some NBA playoffs. We just talked about the draft lottery reactions that we had. Uh, last week, we left off... The at Game 6 of the Western Conference semifinals between Golden State and Houston. Quick recap here. Uh, Game 6 was back in Houston without Durant. The Warriors win by 5, 118, 113 the final score. Steph Curry had 33 points in just 34 minutes. Thompson, a big difference maker with 27. Iguodala put Porn in 17, which is a rarity for him nowadays. And Kavon Looney with 14 off the bench. And they held Harden to 35. Not James Harden like numbers, and they held Eric Gordon down to nine, and that's what you got to do to beat a Houston team. And this is another year that Houston falls feet to the Golden State Warriors. So back to the drawing board, folks. For Houston, again, yeah, you get the four seed, you got to play Golden State because almost every year they'll get number one. Houston team, they started off bad this year. They were a bad team. They were at the They're bottom not. of the West for about a quarter of the season. They finally emerged. Harden got things going. Uh, Capella get healthy. Chris Paul. Things start to come together. But the West is tough. Yeah,
0: the West it's is probably, tough. For the past ten years, at least now, it's been the West. Yeah, it's, it's been,
1: been, it's been just, the wild. It's been the Wild West. Yeah, it's been a yeah, exactly. <laughs> it, people beat each other up. Now, the other series on Mother's Day, Game 7, Sunday, Denver versus Portland. I think this was this was the best series of the second round, if you ask me. People can argue about the Philly-Toronto series, but me. Uh, we no. had Travis Demers call in last week, radio play-by-play announcer for Portland, used to uh, call games here at LIU Post. Uh, Portland rallied in this game. They won by a final score of 100-96. to they rallied from 17 points down to reach their first conference finals since 2000. And kudos to them. This was a game where McCollum was great. Damian Lillard didn't have his best stuff, but they found a way. Yes, they found a way, and that's that's what that's, that's what you got to do.
0: That's been the Portland, I think, motto for this playoffs. They just find ways. I mean, coming back to that Damian Lillard, that the, the shot by Lillard against the Thunder to close that series. It's they find their way, and they win. And, I mean, not so far this series, obviously.
1: No, but, but we will get to that now. Yeah. Let's uh, let's talk about it. So, first time in NBA history, brothers meet in the conference finals. Steph versus, versus Seth. And these guys, uh, always fun to watch. Their parents split. The father has <laughs> uh, they swap the jerseys Blazers me. on the front, and then the Warriors on the back.
0: No, it's, yeah.
1: Double-sided, mm-hmm. and then the mother...
0: And, I mean, to your yeah. point about the brothers thing, I mean, if Paul Gasol was healthy, and you have it in both finals? Cause Gasol's Very on the, Gasol's on the box.
2: That's a pretty fun fact there.
0: And it's never happened before, and this year it technically has happened twice, even though Gasol's not yes. active.
1: He's still, he's still a factor, though. He he motivates those guys yes, into leadership.
0: Yes, because he's been in the league for 17, 15, 16. I think he was in 2002. Yeah. He's been there for a while.
1: Now, in Game 1 of the Portland Golden State Series... First of all, Steve Kerr, coaching Golden State 18-1 and one, in Game 1's of the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Nearly unbeatable. But Portland was hanging around for a while in this game until uh, Golden State just really took care of business.
0: That's what they do. You back on Tuesday. You only. can't sleep on them for a second. You can't give them any opportunities to even have a chance of coming back because they will because... Even without Kevin Durant, you have Curry, you have Thompson, you have Green. You have guys who've now done this four or five years now. Exactly. And they know what they're doing.
1: And the bench contributed nicely. Quinn Cook, Jonas Yurepko, Kevon Looney, Sean Livingston, those guys, they're going to put minutes in. So it was good to see. Portland really struggled in this game. Uh, in the interior. The interior was awful. Uh, Aminu did not look good. Cantor did not look good.
0: Collins fouled.
1: Zach Collins had like five fouls in like ten minutes.
0: And like z- zero points, I believe too. Like I don't think he scored.
1: Collins? Oh, uh, he had he had eight, but oh. that was when the distance was made. There was there was no coming yeah, back from Davis. that point on. Um, they lost one sixteen to ninety four. <laughs> Hood had seventeen points. And Hood was. I
0: love his story. I think because this is a guy who, when he was with the Cavs, like they thought he could not be this guy in the postseason at all. Like they didn't really give him a chance. He had the whole psyche psyche issue, and then to see him play with this Blazers team and be not only like a contributing factor, but being like a deciding factor in terms of the Denver series, it's really awesome to see.
1: Heading shots, yeah.
0: I love this Portland team in general too. I mean, it's a bunch because it's a team where it's like this is. Damian Lillard's team. I think he's, I think they said on the broadcast, Damian Lillard is the best leader in terms of, like, star player for a team in the NBA right now. He puts the team on his back, he rallies around, like, he just gets the team to rally around him, and he's just, he truly should, like, as he said, like, he wants to stay in Portland, which is awesome to see for, like, a small market team
1: which is great. The only problem is he can't shoot 36% from the field no, in game 1 against the Warriors on the cannot. road. Which that's unacceptable and unfortunately this transpired over uh into game 2 where uh Lillard look again, you got to perform better. You got to perform better. First quarter 23 was... points is not enough.
0: Yeah, it's first 42 quarter, minutes he's of play. Scoreless in the first quarter. He made some uh, shots like Curry like but then he also took shots that were like, why would you do that so early on the shot clock?
1: Yeah. Um, in this game, too, Portland led most of this game last night. Mm-hmm. And I really want to talk about this game for a minute. Yeah, you look at the stats. Steph had 37-8-8, eight and eight, near triple-double-like numbers. Clay had 24. Dame had 23-10-5. And, and then McCollum had 22. This is great. But... My question is the choice of lineup at the end of this game. If you look who Portland had on the floor, it was Lillard, McCollum, Turner, Curry, and Myers Leonard.
0: No, it was a small lineup. No that's Curry is basically a point guard. My problem guard at best. My problem is this:
1: Seth Curry had a fantastic game, by the way. Four seven oh. from deep, sixteen points. He
0: just defensively like towards the end of the game when the Blazers were still up. Created he, turnovers. He created turnovers. He. It really looked like they were playing backyard, their backyard in Charlotte, I think is what they said. He, the he
1: led the game with four steals, Evan. Four. Yeah. He was... He stole the ball from his brother a couple times.
0: Yeah, and like these plays where he would come from behind or just, just get a little hand in there, and he created chances, and it was just... I love saying that because, again, imagine being Seth Curry. You're a basketball player in the NBA, but your brother's a two-time MVP, 2 times Finals MVP, four-time NBA champion.
1: Yeah, or three it's not so even it's not even comparable. You know who the yeah. better brother is? Just tough. It was very tough.
2: But I'm sure stealing the ball from him every once in a while, or trying to block a shot, oh. is always fun for totally. you know yes. the younger brother.
0: And this is the most publicity he's had in his career too.
2: Yes, and you got both parents watching. You know, trying to pick on who they're rooting for.
1: My problem, guys, is Golden State is down by 15, and in the fourth quarter. Love Myers Leonard. He's him and Dame are the two longest tenured Trailblazers, and he's a fantastic scorer. But he is one of the worst defenders I've ever seen. Yes. Him and Enos Kanter cannot play defense. Ugh. The only big that can play defense on that team, Aminu's a stretch four I don't really consider him a big big, big big. I know he's a forward, but he's Collins. not really a big. Zach Collins, who was in foul trouble, five <laughs> fouls, was not playing well. Zach Collins. To answer your question, Zach Collins was held scoreless last night in game. Yeah, that's tape. what I meant. That's what I meant. That was a factor because you didn't have him scoring. Evan Turner is only gonna get you like four to six points a game. Hood and Curry were there, which is great, but you need Zach Collins. That's that third key guy yes. off the bench, in yeah, addition goodness. to Hood and Curry. Myers Leonard picked up the slack. He had a three, he had a couple of nice. No, button, he, had, he, had buckets,
0: some he had defensively I mean, they're just plays where Thompson easily got in the interior. Curry drove through the defense. It was seemed like very just going through butter for the the Warriors. Exactly, and yeah. Golden
1: State was playing small. Their biggest guy on the floor was six seven. Draymond Green, Myers, yes. Leonard is seven one. Why is he in the game at that point? Why not put in Harkless, Aminu. Aminu for defense, and then maybe if you want to use Leonard, bring him in for offense late in the game. Don't don't put him in on yeah. defense because then
0: you have the mismatch in your favor when Green is tired, and then you can stretch him out to shoot the threes or get inside when exactly. Tired. And yes. the
1: pick and roll was played to perfection. That last bucket of the game, Draymond wide open, layup, Portland down two yeah. zero in the series. Does You know, we know Durant will miss games three and four. Does Portland stand a chance against this team? Look, the last play of the game, Golden State's going to find ways to win and beat Portland in this series. I'm telling you, Iguodala has been there, done that. Yeah. He picks Lillard's pocket, steals game two away from Portland. What are your thoughts on that question I just asked? I
0: mean, I I just think that, I mean, I think everyone in there... Everyone knew that Lillard was just going to drive him to take a shot because he should have passed the ball. But you have a hot, a guy in Rodney Hood who's been playing well and been in some clutch moments. McCollum. A guy in Seth Curry, oh, obviously McCollum, and a guy in Seth Curry who's also made some big shots today and has the hot hand. But I get it. I mean, Lillard's done it twice now in the playoffs. It's just you got to go to the hot hand and maybe. Don't something that's less obvious against a very experienced Warriors team that knows that you're coming down the court to shoot a three with the time left. You gotta find another guy because you have multiple shooters on the court. It's not like you're not the only guy there. You gotta find someone.
1: My concern is Portland had Lillard and McCollum go a combined zero for nine in the final eight minutes of this game, which is unacceptable. No, you can't win like that. No, Portland and uh, if McCollum and Lillard play bad, Portland loses. That's how it is. Especially without Joseph Nurkic yeah, now to break down, and okay. Cantor on the bench, unable to drink water until eleven twenty Eastern Time uh, Which, due to ro- due to ro- uh, religious yeah, views. Ramadan. But yes. you can't really have that as an excuse at this point to why you're playing so terribly. You can't use that as an excuse because you've been doing it the no. whole series, even in the last series. So but,
0: Nurkic, that's that's always been a big blow but it's been sho- it's show- it is showing it's showing because it. yeah. Nurkic, I think. I mean, he's athletic enough, too, where he could be on the court with that smaller Warriors lineup and go on and on with Draymond Green. But not having him at all, is just it's a hole that the Warriors are taking advantage.
1: And in order for Portland to win against Golden State, to officially answer this question, they need to be almost perfect offensively in score, and they need to be able to contain Curry and Thompson. Because right now, without Durant, that's what you have to worry about. Yes, Draymond will get his buckets (coughs) here and there, but you can live with that. What you need to do is contain Curry and Thompson and be almost perfect offensively, and you got to do a better job crashing the boards. I can't see Myers Leonard in the game with under a minute left again. I love that man. He's a great intellectual player, scores, but he can't yes. be in there with a minute left in the game. This one, I mean, I love Terry Stotts, but I think I would have considered making a lineup change. I'm not saying what he did was right or wrong, but I would have I considered. would have considered the first legs
0: factor, because Leonard was in probably last, what, five, six, seven, eight minutes of the game.
2: Yeah. And the coach needs to understand that you know if you you want to win this game against the warriors you need to do something creative yes. you know you can't play a one dimensional kind of game exactly
0: the only team to be the warriors in a playoff series in the past 4 years had lebron james exactly yes so you got to go outside the box and show that you, and i think that Harkless or amino thing would have something would have worked or something like that which would allow everything to just get the ball rolling and get the ball moving around to the plethora of shooters you have on your team because it's not just Damian Lillard.
1: Exactly. You have a number of weapons on this team. But let's get to the Eastern Conference Series because Golden State's up Mm
3: -hmm.
1: 2-0. We left off last week... Toronto and Philly had Game 7 on Sunday. Kawhi Leonard, the game-winning shot. That was the first buzzer beater in Game 7 history. Leonard, 41 points in the game, 243 points in this series. That is the third most ever in an NBA playoff series since the merger. And in this game, on Philly side, Simmons is 13. And B, just 21 and 11. Guys, what are your thoughts on Kawhi Leonard and the impact he's had? Because right now, I think... As good, as crazy of the shots have been for Lillard, as consistent as Durant was before the injury, oh. and Giannis has been blowing through, Leonard. Leonard has been the best performer of these playoffs so far.
3: I yeah.
0: would agree. I mean, everyone goes back to the buzz reader, but, I mean, he had the most points and the third most in a, a playoff series in what, the modern NBA, which goes back to, what, seventy nine eighty.
1: Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. yeah.
0: And goes through, obviously, countless stars and – superstars in NBA history, but I mean, he's shown he's shown that he can be the guy for a team, because those earlier Spurs teams, yes, like he was the rising star, but he also had the Tim Duncan, the Tony Parker, the Manu Oblis, the guys who were the faces of that team just because they've been with the team, but it's his first chance to really be the guy of a team.
1: But he is, even with those guys in San Antonio, he won the finals MVP, and he locked yes. down.
0: Oh, Definitely, I'm not denying that. It's
1: On defense, just, yeah.
0: It's just that when people think of those Spurs teams, they think of that big three first.
1: Mm.
0: And that was, I think, part of why Leonard wanted to leave was, again, just wanting to get away from there and try something different. And he's showing here that he's a top five. Because to, I think everyone forgot about him at the beginning of this year. was Before the going into the start of last season, Kawhi was like a top three. Everyone was like, oh, it's Kawhi, Durant, LeBron. Maybe Anthony Davis, but like those three guys are like. I just just because how locked down and amazing Kawhi put was, in his first career, and I think everyone has started to remember that with this Raptors year and this playoffs has really shown that. Not only can he be a scorer, but he's that lockdown defender that everyone remembers.
1: Well, my take's a little bit different on it. I I think Duran is the best all around oh, player. I do not. Same here. Yeah, but this season, who is the best?
0: Giannis. Giannis. I was yes. talking about, like, two years ago, like, the beginning exactly. of last year. Yeah. Giannis right doesn't...
1: now, it's shifting. The best player on the planet, it's shifting from LeBron to Durant. But Durant's not going to hold it for too long. Eventually, it's going to go once Giannis... to either Giannis or Harden. But Giannis, once he Ooh. establishes a jump shot, it yeah. will if go Jan- to Giannis. If yeah.
0: Giannis can even, like, it doesn't even have to be, like, to the level of what Durant is just because Giannis can do literally anything else. Because of his length and his athleticism and every just his all around skill, if he could just develop a consistent jump shot, jump shot,
1: which he's starting to do, which yeah. he's
0: starting to do. I mean, maybe develop a three point game. Maybe not take crazy number of threes. You don't have to do that. You're Giannis. You can do literally anything else. But if you're open and you can make a three, that that helps your team because he's passing on those because just yeah. it's not part of his game yet.
1: Well, we will say this. Rome was not built overnight. No. no. Threes were not figured out in Greece where he used to play. So, yeah. look, this sets up the series, Giannis versus Kawhi. The Eastern Conference Final, everybody's looking forward to. The Bucks are in it for the first time since 01.
0: Shout-out to Michael Redd, by the way. Oh, <laughs> Just yeah. Because. Mm-hmm. Just because.
1: Just because. <laughs> he used to be the star of that team a while back in those early to mid-2000s, miss watching him play, uh, <laughs> as crazy as it sounds. The Bucks haven't been there in a long time. They They're... take care of business in game one. Oh, yeah. They yeah. take care of business. Giannis gets the upper hand over Kawhi. The Bucks win 108-100. to 100. But Giannis was not even the star of this game. No. It's the man who built the Barkley Center, Brooke Lopez. <laughs> Brooke Lopez, a guy who's been <laughs> overshadowed by other players in that starting lineup. A lot of people are calling him the fifth option now on that team which is crazy with how deep Milwaukee is. I think they're slightly deeper than Toronto. And Lopez used to be the number one for Brooklyn oh, in this was. game.
0: Even during the dark days, the exactly. post-Carter days before they got Deron Williams.
1: was the star, 29 points, 11 rebounds, had 12 in the fourth quarter. He only scored two less than Kawhi Leonard. Kawhi had 31, Kyle Lowry had 30. Lopez had 29 points, shooting threes, and he did something in this game. Uh, he didn't do the first three years of his career. I think he uh, hit three threes. He hit four in this game one.
0: Well, it's just great to see because Brook Lopez, a guy played basketball in this area for over a half decade. And, yeah. I mean, he bounced around for a bit. I mean, had a stint with the Lakers that didn't go his way, and then found himself on this Bucks team, and he quietly had like a very solid season for them. He and did. It's been an integral part of a, this Bucks team.
1: Four blocks, too defensively. No,
0: he's he was phenomenal. I mean, he, that's more than you could ask for a, a guy who, who everyone thinks is at the tail end of his career, but in, instead is showing that he could be a focal point of the team.
2: He also may not do a lot for the team, but when he does, or if he doesn't, the little things no, could yeah, get noticed. He's, he's yeah. also
0: he's also a veteran. I mean, he's yeah. He has some playoff experience with Brooklyn. I mean, he's done. He's been around the block. So yeah, he it helps
1: really though been lifting milwaukee over the top this season guys is their bench
0: oh best yeah. probably in my opinion the best bench in the league yeah uh, you have veterans
1: it. you brought in george hill yes you brought ursan Ilyasova back you brought in pat conaton from portland
0: and then brogdon just chilling there too
1: malcolm brogdon had 15 points in game one and he was a key factor because once you get him going he was an original starter this season he's been on Replaced by Miritich for now, but Brogdon's still he's starting to play starter minutes again, twenty six minutes, mm-hmm. fifteen points, and he shot the ball over forty percent from three this season. Mm-hmm. And to just come back and go three for six in game one. And the game one success is translating yeah. right now into I, game two. I'm seeing mm-hmm. this I mean You watching this, right, Evan?
0: Sixty-four I'm to thirty-nine at one. halftime, oh, wow. and Brogdon has twelve already.
1: I'm telling you, Milwaukee will challenge, and Golden their leading State. and yes. their leading scorers are Miritish and Ilya, Sova. Which is why I'm really <laughs> hoping Portland can extend the series to at least five or six games, so that Milwaukee can take advantage
0: of their of momentum. Golden
1: State in the finals. Exactly.
0: And Look, I
1: mean I'm not counting Portland out. That would be <coughs> wrong of me to do yes, that.
0: I think they still have a fighting chance.
1: They have a fighting chance. Is it likely? No. No. But it is possible. We've seen crazier.
0: And I think Toronto, I mean, you can't count them out either because they still have talent on their team. But if you look, yeah, Brogdon has 12
1: points. He's hit three threes. But the
0: leading scorers in
1: this game <laughs> are Miritich, are Miritich <laughs> and Ilyasova with 15 <laughs> points each. Ilyasova's 6-9 from the field. <laughs> James, you had something to say?
2: Yeah. Uh, now, I wanted to take a few steps back uh, what Tom was saying about the Warriors um, and Milwaukee. Who do you think, out of the East, has the best chance? Because we're all probably picturing, and I'm probably sure all our listeners are, the Warriors are going to go. Out of the East, who would you like to see, or who do you think would be the best competitive matchup for the Warriors?
0: See, that's where I'm, like, tough here, because I think both of them have their pros and cons against the Warriors, because... I don't know what it is, but Kawhi Leonard just plays against the Warriors really well. I mean, the, the regular season matches between, at least the first one, I believe, between the Raptors and Warriors was like, that one went to overtime, I believe, and Kawhi balled out.
1: I'm going to be completely honest. I think it's the Raptors. I think Milwaukee will win this series, but I think Toronto matches yes. up better because Toronto is bigger. Mm-hmm. They match up better defensively. You see the reason why Milwaukee took so many threes in game one. Giannis could not get his fair share of lickings in the paint, and you see it again. I mean, mm-hmm. Giannis is not the leading scorer tonight. Uh, he has 11 points at halftime, which, I mean, he has time, but he has nine rebounds. He's he's not getting the looks that yeah. he did in the previous two series where you can just run through Detroit and Boston like it was nothing. Yeah, yeah. And you're looking at it now, I think Milwaukee is the best team, but can they compete against the Warriors? That's the I question. Th- they're a much deeper team, but Toronto's deep as well, and I think they're slightly better— Defensively,
0: than Milwaukee. I think Kawhi Leonard himself. I mean, Durant. If Durant's back by then, which he should be, I think Kawhi shuts Durant down. I think Lowry has the playoff experience to go with Curry. I think they have now a Marcus All, who's been around the block, been done a lot. Serge Ibaka, another lot of playoff experience, NBA Finals experience. It's just you look at. I think Milwaukee's a better team. I think we both established that.
1: Exactly. Yeah. Now, when these playoffs started, my picks for the NBA Finals were Milwaukee beating Toronto, Golden State beating Portland. Hmm. Hmm. At the beginning of the season, I had Golden State beating Portland. Before b- before Game 1, Golden State beating Portland in the Western Conference Finals. And then I had Boston beating Toronto. But this is before used, the Milwaukee the, upbringing happened.
0: The Boston yeah. breakdown and the, the Boston
1: collapsed. Basically, <laughs> Milwaukee and Boston, Boston kind swapped. of flip flopped.
0: That's what I had too. I had, uh, I think I had Toronto actually winning the East at the beginning of the year because I just was big. I was big on Kawhi. I think. I'm but right
1: on. now the score is sixty-four to thirty-nine, and the third quarter is just underway, and we'll see if their success translates. Uh, On that note, we're going to step aside for a quick final break of the evening, and when we come back, we'll spend the last 10 minutes on some NFL news. You're listening to Review and Preview here on The Wave, the sound of LIU. You're listening to Review and Preview on The Wave. And welcome back to Review and Preview, folks, our final 10 minutes here on the show. I'm your host, Tom Scavetta, joined alongside tonight by James Montefusco and Evan Masters. Evan, welcome back home.
0: Thank you, thank you. It's a lot colder here.
1: Yes. see you are wearing (laughs) Blaze blaze
0: Radio. radio. Yes, that is the uh, student station of Arizona State downtown. Countless ISBN Awards, too. Nice. They're big time and yeah, I called a couple of games for them this year. Some baseball, some water polo, some women's lacrosse. Water polo,
1: wow. very interesting.
0: Yeah. Oh, I was right
2: very
1: in front of the pool Like uh, water polo, I may yeah. have
2: to ask you a few questions after oh, how
0: that one. It was. Let's <laughs> that for after. But of course. But yeah.
1: So now let's get to some NFL news because obviously we're in off season, but we got to talk some NFL stuff. Uh, The Giants, they finally signed Mike Remmers after they were in talks, they were in talks, they were in talks, waiting on his injuries, back surgery. Finally, they ink Remmers to a one-year, $2.5 million deal. Is this the last piece to the offensive line missing to unseat current starting right tackle Chad Wheeler?
0: Um, I think so. Uh, I'm a fan of those Remmers signing. I mean, obviously struggled with the position change in Minnesota. And I think back with his old offensive coordinator, Back at right tackle, I think you might not see the same Mike Remmers you saw, but I think it's still an upgrade over Chad Wheeler.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And oh, absolutely. I, and if
0: anything, it just creates depth, which this Giants offensive line desperately needs.
1: Exactly. Yes. I think Remmers will start week one. I think so too. Uh, did Dave fix the right side of the line problem this offseason with Kevin Zeitler well, and now Remmers?
0: I think with Zeitler and Will Hernandez, you have the best run blocking interior blocking in the country. I mean, in the league. <laughs> well, in the country, too. Yeah, no, yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Thinking,
1: yeah, Thinking. We're still in college mode here. Um, oh, definitely. But
0: uh, <laughs> uh, I think the right side, of, especially with Zyler, I'm a big fan of that trade. Yeah. And I think with getting rid of Vernon that, too, I think it kind of helped the team out with money and all that. But Exactly. I think it was a positive trade for the Giants. And I think Gettleman... In this situation, I think he did fix the right time. I think he fixed the line in general. I mean, it's not the greatest line in the world. I don't think anyone's singing that. But Soldier's a decent veteran. Might it, was it an overpay? Yes. But did it fit, fit a desperate need of the team? Yes. 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 Hernandez, I mean, what we saw the last year, hog for sure. That's yeah. what Dave wanted. Yeah. I mean, Pulley and Jalapio at center, they're not outstanding, but P- I think.
1: Pedestrian at best.
0: I think between the yeah. two of them, you could get your average starting center in the like league. Nothing to be crazy about, but nothing that it's not really – I don't see any issue with it. It's workable. If it's the word because it's between that and Remmers for the weakest of the offensive line. Because Leitler's great, Pro Bowler, fantastic player, and then obviously Remmers who I think can get back to maybe what a glimpse of what we saw, but I think it's still an improvement over Wheeler who had some – had a couple bright spots last year, but not...
1: He did. I mean, he, look, any anything's an upgrade over Eric Flowers, oh,
0: Bobby
2: Hart, those guys. Bless but- the
0: br- Redskins for wanting to bring Flowers in and for the Bengals to re-sign Bobby Hart.
2: Not our problem anymore. Yeah. I'm I mean, about better
1: say, like...
0: No. I'm glad the Redskins signed Flowers. I hope they start him.
1: Yeah, yeah. I love that. I love the sound of that. Um, don't sleep on... Big George and James O'Hagan, though. Yes. Those, those guys, uh, Big George was picked, I believe, in round seven. And then yes. James O'Hagan, an undrafted rookie free agent out of Buffalo. He gives me a similar vibe uh, to, like, an Andrew Norwell. Mm. And this is something to really look out for because you're talking about who the center of the future might be. Because Jalapio and Pulley only seem like short-term answers, if you ask me.
0: I would agree. They're it might not, it might,
1: yeah. might be this guy.
0: I mean, Jalapio also coming off of, what, like a broken leg? Broken leg. Yeah. Gruesome injury, yeah. So, uh, I mean, you don't even know how he could be.
1: And Pulley out of Vanderbilt. I mean, he's a good backup. Yes. The problem is, you have two role players at center. Look, I don't think it's a big deal. I think it's edible. I think it's a much improved offensive line. No excuses for Eli <laughs> this season. No excuses no. for the receivers to be dropping balls like oh. they've been doing. Uh, Daniel Jones, the rookie quarterback, he's been learning the offense very quickly from what they're saying.
0: That Duke education. Yeah, he's been
1: doing a fantastic <laughs> job. He got his Duke degree. Say what you want about him, about the draft. Obviously, mixed opinions on it from all yeah. ends. I'm sure you Look. guys
0: had plenty to talk about with that. Oh,
1: we yeah. did. Oh. <laughs> and appara- <laughs> sure. apparently, if the Giants had the number one pick, they would have taken him there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. My opinion was. <laughs> yeah. When you. Decide who you want at quarterback. You go get him regardless of the yeah, pick. I, However, I would agree with that. No, he's not number six overall talent no, in that he's draft. No, he is not. But I think he might have – he he has a shot of having the most success out of, all the ba- uh, out of all the QBs in this draft class because of the system that he's in. Yes, yes. And I think
0: he's in a good situation. His
1: smarts, his intellectuals, his abilities to learn the offense – and learn behind Eli Manning yeah, as I've, we're the,
0: the pick has grown on me over time.
1: Dwayne Haskins has Alex Smith who has his own health concerns. Drew Locke has Joe Flacco. Um, you know Kyler has, Jared Stidham has Tom Brady. But Tyler Murray has, has
0: nobody. No yeah. Just Kyler Murray Cliff has Kingsbury. Kyler has Cliff Kingsbury. Hmm. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> well,
2: I talked to two different people I today take you by. and two different sides of the draft. One was like, yes, good. We'll see what he has. The other's like, why did you go with him sick? So, no, yeah, mixed I'm, feelings talking to two different people today. You just take what you got. Yeah.
1: The other big news: the Jets fire their GM Mike <laughs> Mcagnan and Vice pl- Vice President uh, VP Player of Personnel Brian Heimerdinger, and Adam Gase, the new head coach, signed maybe two months ago, is now the new. This is interim general this is, manager.
0: I mean, everyone like. The Giants had like the were the circus of New York for, I mean, and then the Jets do this. It's like especially because the reports came out like everyone knew this was going to happen, but you let them go through free agency and you let them draft. And I mean, let's not get <laughs> wrong here. They actually had a good free agency. They brought in C J Mosley, brought in Le'Veon Bell, starting to make actual big moves to actually make this team better. Their draft was good too. They brought in, they got, in my opinion, actually the best player in the draft in Quinton Williams. I think. Yeah. I think he's better than both, so I think he can start right next next to Leonard Williams and be a scary two sum in the interior of that line. But still, if you know that this is going to happen, you know that there's already a rift between him and Gaze. Why do you let him stay there for the past two months?
1: Yeah, exactly. It doesn't That's make, make sense. no sense,
0: and it just becomes a laughing stock again
1: of New York football. Exactly.
0: And then they make a they trade Darren Lee.
1: Yeah, and that too, trading Darren Lee to the Chiefs for a twenty twenty sixth sixth-round pick. Which,
0: he's a former first-round pick. He is. I mean, yeah, he hasn't had success, but this is a good bargain trade for the Chiefs, I think, who lost a couple pieces on their defense. I mean, Lee's a fast linebacker, just never really, I think, got a good footing with the Jets team that had its problems, obviously, with the Jets.
1: Very rough. Any final thoughts,
0: James?
2: I'm looking forward to the rest of the NBA finals, playoffs we got. Maybe not the, you know, the actual last, last series, but I'm looking forward to these two. And uh, I want to see what happens with the call up the Mets did today.
0: Yeah.
1: And, Evan, we appreciate you coming back on the show. Pleasure to have you. Thank you for having me. We'll hope to have you soon sometime this summer. On behalf of Evan Masters and James Montefusco, I'm Tom Scavetta wishing you all a good evening You've been listening to Review and Preview here on The Wave, the sound of LIU. Good night, everyone.
2: (laughs) Darling, darling, I'll turn the lights back on now. We're watching, watching as the credits all roll down. and Crying, crying, you know we're playing to a full house, house. No heroes,
3: villains, one to blame while we're...